Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com And welcome back to Little Cuts, our weekly mini-sode where we dig into the things that we've been, I think, just watching recently. I'm Terry. I'm Mary Beth, and if you maybe strain your ears, you can hear my cat Zucchini snoring behind me. Aww. I'm not sure if the mic is catching it, but he is snoring like a human being on Steve's office chair. It is so cute. You hear it? Okay, it might not, because I think because uh-uh. my mic's plugged in, you probably can't hear it. But... I'll take a video later. But anyway, uh, <laughs> I'm Mary Beth. Shoot. That's my snoring cat. And this week we are talking about Killer Santas, a scary green monster, a luxury hotel, reality TV trash, and military school. <laughs> and military school. Oh, boy. Um, boy. So I guess let's start with, with Killer Santas. Yeah. Uh, I just, before, before we do talk about the one that we just watched, I did go see Violent Night. What'd this last think? weekend as well. I thought it was a lot of fun. I completely agree with you. The middle section was a little drawn out. I'm like, 
you know, I had yeah. fun the entire time. I was just like, okay, this premise is simple. We don't really need anything more. They probably could have cut out about 20 minutes and it would have been perfect. Yep. It's ever complicated, but it's still fun. Like, regardless. But it's a lot of fun. I, David Harbour, I highly recommend it. David Harbour is so fucking hot. <laughs> it's the top nut of okay. the Girl. Look, the little, the little bit of bang. Ugh. Viking daddy me. I don't think that made sense. But, but I got it. Like, in my Viking heart. Viking daddy me. In my heart, I understand, like, the sentiment. So, yeah. <laughs> I, I get it. Um, And just, like, I know that. We might be talking more about this movie, but I, and speaking of Killer Santas, I just want to shout out Christmas Bloody Christmas, which I believe is, as of the publication of this, it is on Shutter. Again, there might be more on this later, but I just wanted to shout it out because it's really fucking fun. Oh, that's what I was planning on talking about. Oh, cool. Killer okay, sorry. I totally yeah. kept her shit. I'm so sorry. <laughs> that was so rude of me. I'm so sorry. No, no. <laughs> I got really excited about Christmas. <laughs> I know that's what I, I really wanted to talk about it. Uh, that's why I was like Santa's because there's two, two. You know, <laughs> reading comprehension is not like at its highest right now, apparently. Girl, it's been a week <laughs> and it's the end of the year. And I'm just like, I feel like I just shut my brain off. I, I feel like that's what's happening right now. I can't even begin to explain to you me working like I'm doing I shouldn't be saying it. I'd be the bare ass minimum at this point. Like, and it's and that's a lot. Like, that's still a lot. Like, I think my bare ass minimum is probably more because I'm insane. But like, I'm just, it's just, I'm so tired. This has been such a wild year. Like, the past few years have just been so exhausting. Anyway. <laughs> it, yeah. So, Joe Bagos' film, though. Merry Christmas. Yes, Joe... Bagos' new film, Christmas, Bloody Christmas. Killers, another Killer Santa movie, but this time Santa is basically the Terminator. Uh, yes. He is a killer robot, and he just decimates uh-huh. a small snowy town on Christmas Eve. And it is absolutely gnarly. I, I also love the dialogue in the beginning. I think something that stands out to me in that movie is like, there's a lot of really interesting dialogue between characters before things get like fucked up. And I think more than any other Bagos film I've seen, which is just bliss. So like, you know, very small sample size. I love. You haven't seen VFW? No, I didn't want to watch it. That's fine. That's fair. (laughs) I really like how he wrote his characters in this. I feel like, he yeah. gave them a little bit more empathy. Like I, lo- like, I loved Bliss, but she sucked, like, her character. And I think that was... Oh, she does. Like, she's the worst. And I know that's the point, but here, he really hits, like, an emotional balance of, like, yeah, they're, like, kind of dirtbags, but they're also really sweet dirtbags. And, like, mm-hmm. I think that was really not expected going into a movie about, like, a robot killer Santa. I was not expecting, like, those tender of relationships, which makes what happens, like in the back half of the movie even more fucking upsetting yeah i agree Uh, and i you know riley dandy playing tori the main character she is someone i was i was watching this with um my roommate and i was like you know she is the girl that i would have been obsessed with in high school like i would have been like i would have followed around like a puppy dog being like i just i just love you i want i want to like steal some of your your hipster cool rock punk nature 
give it. <laughs> like, she just is, like, so natural in this movie in a way. Like, she's so cool so and confident and just, like, mm-hmm. you don't see a lot of female characters like this that are both, like, really cool and confident and also not seen as bitches. Like, she has a little bit of an Own edge. her sexuality, yeah, too. Yeah, she owns her sexuality. She's got a little bit of edge to her, but she's very honest and not portrayed in, like, a weird negative light of, like, she's bossy. Mm-mm. Like, she's just so cool. Yeah. she's really cool i i i you know it's surprising because i really like the way he writes his female leads at least particularly yeah. in blisk like she's an asshole yes absolutely yes there's like a, not a lot of empathy for the character in bliss but yeah. she was interesting and she was a character that we don't see a lot it allowed her to be a problematic uh kind of horrible character that we i don't think we get to see a whole lot of oh yeah and so then it, I see this character and I was like, I see shades of that kind of attitude, but it's more toned down and it's more realistic and natural. And I just, I don't know. I really dug, I really dug her character even before the Santa starts coming through and murdering everybody. Well, it's like weirdly tender in a way that I was Mm -hmm. completely unexpected. Cause again, like the subject matter is ridiculous, but I also think because this, the Santa is so relentless. Like it's not, it could, it's not as cheesy as it could be. Like it's actually no. pretty horrifying. I, 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 it was, I don't know. This movie surprised the hell out of me. Like I did not expect a lot from it. I knew it'd be fun, but like it really mm-hmm. is really well written. <laughs> yeah. I, I was, I was impressed with it. I was also just impressed with um, the scope of it. Cause it feels really yeah. epic for a movie yeah. that I'm sure has a low budget. Like just, there's explosions and there's cars and just I I don't know I was expecting it to be more smaller scope yeah but it still has that big kind of yeah indie but hard of like an action Terminator movie and yeah. I I love that I'll also say it was wild watching this right after seeing Gremlins because we went to go see Gremlins at a movie party at Alamo and to watch that movie and then to watch this I think they make a perfect like double feature because they're all about small towns getting overrun with something horrible yeah wow this one's a lot more violent and um has a lot of fucks in it but i think they play together i agree that would be a really good double feature uh so that's that's the killer santa's but uh what's the scary green monster (laughs) so is it greed is it horniness no it's the grinch (laughs) or sorry the mean one not the the grinch the mean one I watched it. Not Mr. Grinch. (laughs) So the mean one basically sees a greed monster who kind of looks like the Grinch. I'm sorry. Ripperita is is in our chat and she says, is it horniest? The SFL, the Scar for Life refrain. And yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh, because that'll come up when we talk about a movie later. Uh, uh (laughs) Uh-huh. (laughs) Uh-huh. But... (laughs) Basically, this imagines a world where instead of the mean one, who is the Grinch, y'all, instead of him, like, patting Cindy Lou Who on the head and everything being great, the mom sees him and thinks he's an intruder and tries to beat the shit out of him, and he accidentally kills her, and then he becomes, like, an evil monster because he's now, like, an actual monster. And it takes place then 20 years in the future, and it's Cindy You-Know-Who instead of Cindy Lou in Newville instead of Whoville. And he comes back. <laughs> oink, oink, nudge, nudge. <laughs> and he comes back and just starts massacring everybody. And, you know, I had to talk about it because it's like that like viral thing, and I, I was very curious about it. It's fine. 
David Howard Thornton, who plays Art the Clown, plays the mean one. And he's incredible, of course. Like, regardless of the movie's quality, he is really good. Uh, All the blood is CGI. So take that as you will. But, like, it's a fun movie to, like, get drunk with your friends watching. It's like okay. a mo- like a jokey movie almost. Like it's like okay, it's the Grinch as like an evil killer monster who has like a dinosaur like screech for some fucking reason. Like it's not go- <laughs> it's not like great, but it's fun. It's like it's kind of like mindless fun. Take with that what you will. Yeah, it's not really going to like open up any avenues of like thought for anybody, but <laughs> It's not deep, but you know. I like the look of the Grinch. He looks or great. The mean one. The mean one. <laughs> I mean, like, there's an incredible sequence where he massacres a bunch of drunk Santas from SantaCon, and it's like in a diner, and it's pretty great. Okay. So, like, there's some interesting set pieces. So, you know. So, yeah, that's the mean one. I just wanted to bring. I know, like, right. people were. It's going around. So, it's yeah. something. What is this about a luxury hotel? Okay, so the White Lotus season two is. Oh my right god! Now. I need to start. <laughs> and I was obsessed with the the first season, and um, I was really excited to see the second season because I think the cast looked really good. I mean, Aubrey Plaza is in it. Mm-hmm. Jennifer Coolidge returns. Theo, what's his name? Theo James, who I think is oddly I, there's there's like a a charismatic, attractive quality to him that I find very magnetic. Okay, Michael Imperioli is in it. Mm-hmm. Like it has a really good, it has a great cast and. F. Murray Abraham, who I know from Mythic Quest, the yeah. Apple TV show, he's on that. Well, was on that. I don't think he's in the third season. And he's in this this season. And I love the first season. I don't think this one is as good so far. I'm okay. I'm on episode... I finished four episodes. There's six episodes out. The finale is airing this coming Sunday. So okay. I'm a little bit behind. So I don't know if maybe it sort of like starts to tie things together a bit more. But it feels very straight. Oh, okay. Whereas the first season felt... Even even though I don't think there was a whole lot of queerness in it, it felt very well, queer. Well, I mean, like they have a, they, they do a, what is it? They have like a full on shot of of a guy eating another guy's ass. So like, it's pretty gay, and like the one of the main characters is very queer. So like, mm-hmm. it's and of course those two girls have like major like have crushes on each other, but whatever. Oh yeah. Anyway, regardless, I it just had like a kind of campy queer energy yeah. to it. And I was hoping that would continue on here. And I mean, there are queer characters. Jennifer Coolidge's character, Tanya, she finds an entourage of of gay men. And I'm curious to see where that's going to go. But like, I don't know. It's just not as... I don't find the characters as interesting as the first season, I will say. Mm, As much as I love Jennifer Coolidge, I don't think she's used very well in this. I've heard that. It feels like she was brought over because people liked her from the first season. And there's just not a whole lot for her to do. Yeah, there is a really there's there's the the main the main pair of couples played um, by Theo James and uh, gosh what and Aubrey Plaza, Will Sharp uh, as Ethan Spiller and Megan Fahey plays Daphne. Okay. So that that couple dynamic is really interesting, and I do think the show is so far taking. The idea of, like, toxic masculinity in different forms. Because, like, we have we have Ethan and Harper, Aubrey and, and Will Sharp, who are recently got into money. And they're kind of friends with Theo James's Cameron and Megan's Daphne, who are have been rich for a while. 
-hmm. And it starts to kind of peel back the layers of their friendship and sort of like the the perfect relationship seemingly Mm -hmm. on the outside that might be rotten. And then Aubrey and and Ethan's that seem a little bit more messy, but actually have a heart in it. Like, so there's, there's interesting things at play. I just don't, I don't find it as, as intriguing overall as the first season, but I'm enjoying it. Okay. And I'm curious to see how it's going to end. Apparently has a much bigger body count because the first episode opens with someone finding a drowned person. And then the hotel staff being like, there's more bodies in the hotel. So I'm curious to see what kind of like death wow. count this is going to have by the huh. end of the, the, the season. But yeah, it's it's entertaining. I recommend it if you were fans of the first one. Just don't expect it to be, I don't think, as narratively rich. Okay. I'm excited to watch it. I have been meaning to start watching it and then just dropping the ball. So I'm excited to, to start it. Yeah. I waited so long and then I started, I just started binging it last weekend and I need to need to finish getting caught up because I am enjoying it. That's how I watched the first season. I watched it in like two days. So I need to like, I'm trying to like find time to be able to do that when I don't have like 60 other things I have to watch. (laughs) Right. Well, and this is actually a good time too, if you have the time, because the final episode airs on Sunday. So it's like, this is the perfect time to go into binge mode if if people are able to. But speaking of things that um, having a lot of time to watch and spending it on questionable things, maybe? What is this reality TV trash? I have started my... Is it my, Love is Blind? It is. I have started my Love is Blind <laughs> journey. It's not horror, but it is kind of like horror. It's like dystopian horror. I my one of my, my best friend here was like, we hung out on Sunday and she was like, we got McDonald's and we watched... And she's like, do you want to watch Love is Blind? Because Steve doesn't want to watch it. Because he doesn't want to be, obviously. And I went to start it, but she's like, we have to start it today. We watched five episodes. We spent entire Sunday watching this show. This is the most... Have you watched it? No. Is it... It is Is this one where, like, they don't see each other? Okay. This shit is fucking insane. So, it's split into men and women. It's not gay at all. Uh Boo. Yeah. That's part of the reason why I didn't watch it. Yeah. Yeah. And so... It's like, it's so aggressively heterosexual. Um, mm-hmm. It's incredible. But so the, they're split up and they have pods and they never, like you said, they never see say, each other. The they talk to each other and they, so they get to know each other and they never see each other. And they have to like, by the end of it, you can like propose to somebody and they can say yes. And then when they say yes, you were like, you revealed Jesus. what they look like. It is the craziest <laughs> shit on this planet. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about Wix. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Planet 
And I'm obsessed with it because it is so fucking insane. Terry, the things I have seen on this television program are are the scarier than anything I've ever watched. A woman get drinks wine out of the same glass that she shares with her dog because her dog loves wine. Apparently, like it is, like white women are a disease. Like we need to. <laughs> We are a problem. That is troubling for two reasons. Like, at first, I was like, this is troubling. And then I was like, wait, wine and dogs. That is also troubling. Like, yeah. that is like a twofer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they talk about, like, oh, yeah, when we were back in the pods, like, when we couldn't see each other. And, like, it's so funny because, so, like, the first third of the season is, like, them getting to know each other in the pods and, like, the drama of, like, who is falling in love with who and if like there's a person who has multiple suitors and all this shit and they have dates oh. and they spend their all their time in this like windowless place with no cell phones like going oh on God. dates and having like a notebook full of notes about if this person is right for them but it is actually like incredibly biphobic in this season because a guy this this guy Carlton He's like, I've been with men and women. He wouldn't disclose. He wouldn't say he was bisexual. He's like, I've been with men and women. He proposes to someone and she says yes without coming out to her. And then she finds out and it is so bad. It is so bad. It's the craziest shit I've ever seen. Yeah, that's how I've been spending some of my time watching okay. absolutely dystopian nightmare reality television. That is dystopia. That I can't. And my favorite is, like, none of their friends or family knew. And so they have to introduce the fiancé to their parents. And they have to get married in a month after they, like, meet. So they have to, like, plan a wedding in a month and introduce their entire family and friends to the person. <laughs> and they move in with each other in, like, an, in, like a, a neutral apartment that's, like, rented for them by production. And, like, they leave their homes to, like, live together for, like, three weeks in a fucking random apartment. Uh, it's dystopian. It is absolutely bananagrams. I does not compute. I no. I think you just broke my brain. Yeah. I did not realize that that was the rest of it. I thought it was literally just we'll be we'll meet on a and then we'll see if we want to have a date after we've had these long conversations. I did not realize that it goes through. No, you have to get married oh. at the end. Of it. Welcome to the future. It's and like obviously these relationships do not like do not work and you're just it's like watching a train wreck yeah i've been watching a lot of weird movies and a lot of love is blind i contain multitudes <laughs> it it's a nightmare and i bought I, in, i bought i bought into the nightmare like i've just fully surrendered <laughs> myself to it like i i i'm aware that i am part of the problem and i don't care i don't Watching these human train wrecks, oh, it's Lord. delightful and terrible, but like delightful. Anyway, I got nothing. Uh, and now for something <laughs> completely different. Like, there's no good way to transition. <laughs> no, there really isn't. Um, <laughs> we're continuing on our child's play journey, Child's Play Three, where we see Andy at a military school. Yes, and Chucky eight years coming later. Back. <laughs> Again. Who keeps making parts, making new dolls out of Chucky parts? Eight, like, where did you find the fucking plastic? 
That's the one I part of these that. movies I just can't. Like, I know it's not supposed to make sense, but like, wh- they just keep finding the plastic and using it again, and his, somehow his spirit is bound to the plastic. <laughs> it's like, I know it's a fucking Hollywood movie, but Jesus. I love that the factory has turned back on and somehow his blood gets mingled into the melted plastic to make new dolls. And that is the tenuous, the tenuous connection to this movie is the blood. And I guess his blood is still there. And eight years later, it hasn't like flaked away. But I digress. (laughs) I mean, to be fair, when asked about this movie... Don Mancini, the writer of all of them, has said this is his least favorite entry in the series, adding that he ran out of ideas after the second film. Oh, okay. Ironic, not ironically, but also interestingly enough, this is also a Jack Bender film, and Jack Bender would go on to, he directed this, he would go on to uh, be involved in Lost. Oh, okay. Like Jack Bender. Oh, huh. What an interesting trajectory. He has an interesting trajectory because he directed a couple episodes of Beverly Hills. He directed some uh, Northern Exposure. Oh. And then he would go on to, uh, I believe he got involved with Felicity, which is, um, you know, where J.J. Abrams kind of got his his TV start. And then he would go on to direct uh, Alias and then a whole bunch of episodes of Lost. Good for him. What a trajectory for him. Good for him. This is... He says that this movie is also really silly. Is <laughs> his? Uh, yeah, it's incredibly silly. The things that Chucky says in this movie don't fuck with the Chuck. And like, God, some of the shit he says in this movie is absolutely ridiculous. Like, I, I, this is not a great movie because I don't like most of the the characters were just like very flat like everything is just very flat like why is there like a small child at this military academy with all of these teenagers that was a question i kept asking myself and i was like he is a good like five to seven years younger than all of these like adult children so like what is going yeah i i had forgotten about that because it's been a minute since because i don't Mm -hmm. this isn't one that i go revisit and it's been a minute since i've seen it and i was like what is this random eight-year-old doing here uh it's just like it is so silly because it doesn't make a lick of fucking sense, and that you know what? Sometimes that's fine. Like, why is there a haunted house ride next to this military school? Why is there a carnival? What is this military school? Like, what is going on? I don't. It makes the barbers weird. I mean, everything about it is just like very disjointed, and yet. Chucky is an incredible is still incredible and makes it like fun watching just because like Brad Dourif is the fucking funniest and yes I did text Terry today saying (laughs) I have my phone up (laughs) I texted Terry today saying there's something wrong with me why do I find Chucky slightly hot I am diseased in the head Brett yes Purpurina is definitely, yeah, that's the proper response of my name in all caps and ah, because it's true. And I was like, I am sick in the head. Is it horniness? (laughs) Put me in prison. Bonk, go to horny jail. I am the epitome of that meme. I was like, should I tell Terry this? I'm like, yeah, of course I have to tell Terry this. Of course you should. It's like one of those thoughts you have that you're like, 
I probably shouldn't share that with anyone. I was like, no, no, no. I have to put it on my entire podcast that my father-in-law, <laughs> that my father-in-law might now listen to. So Jack Barnold, if you're oh. listening to this, hey, your daughter-in-law's an absolute sicko. <laughs> um oh my god there yeah. is a couple great moments though like i you mentioned in a, in a text about filling the the paintball guns with real bullets that was incredible i was like look say what you want about this movie but this moment is just like chef's kiss like absolutely uh-huh. incredible chucky bullshit there's some good moments in it i did also like uh the moment where the guy dies from a heart attack and chucky's like okay <laughs> I guess that happened, basically. Like, the puppet the puppet work in these movies is so incredible. Like, mm-hmm. just watching him, like, grip things and grab things. And wa- like, when he's walking over the, the, the toy CEO guy's back, it's just, like, he's... There's so I know there, how much work went into puppeting him, like puppeteering him, but good God, like, it, it does look so good, even for, like, the late 80s, early 90s. Like, fuck, it, looks, it still looks incredible. It does. And, uh, you know, it's it was weird watching this. And then we interviewed someone who was going to be, we're going to have an episode with him coming up soon. A fantastic episode, I might add. But he was the cinematographer for this. And he kind of got his feature film debut sort of with this, like if you look at his IMDb page. And so that was wild, getting to talk to him while we're <laughs> watching this movie for the podcast, yeah. like completely unplanned, had no idea uh, so that was kind of wild. I know. That was really wild. And it's funny to watch this and be like, well, it was okay. <laughs> I mean, but still. It, it was a starting role, starting DP role for him. Oh, 100%. It's just so funny, like, how many people get their starts in franchise, like, franchise entries like that, that are like, it's still a franchise entry, though. Like, even if it's not, the thing is, even the worst franchise entry is still in, like, a big IP franchise. So, like. Exactly. And, like, again, I don't think it was that bad. Like, I still had a lot no. of fun watching it. Like, I think these movies are so fun. And and finally, like, watching all of, like, finally watching these Child's Play movies. Like, I love Chucky. Like, I think he's rising mm-hmm. up to be one of my favorite horror villains. Like, he fucking rules. He's such a dick. I, but, like, Brad Dourif <laughs> as Chucky is so good. So good. He's so, so good. good. I You know, and I, I think... I, I honestly think that part of the problem with this one is that it's a follow-up to an amazing movie. I think Child's yeah. Play 2 is just absolutely amazing. So, so like, the quality dri- drop from them is, like, really, really hard to, to yeah. see because the second one was so really good. It is wild, like, the quali- like the dip in quality. I also knew that the third one was not going to be, like, I, I've heard, like, I watched Living with Chucky a documentary about like an impossible mm-hmm. circuit about this and people were talking about how the third one isn't good and like you've told me that and so I was prepared for like a not very good right. movie so I wasn't as disappointed but like it, it is disappointing coming after two it's like oh god what <laughs> you can kind of tell they might have run out of ideas <laughs> a little bit yeah well and then I mean this movie you know stopped the series from being made for like seven yeah. years because Bride of Chucky didn't come out to 1998, and this one came out in 91. Yep. So, I mean... I'm so excited for this jump in time, though, for the, the new Chucky's. I'm I'm so fucking stoked. This is where it starts to get more... In, I think, as much as I love number two, I think number two is probably... 
it's probably in, in terms of like just a great slasher my favorite of the series i will say i think that from bride onward he, don is just having a blast and it's just a lot of fun to see him play with genre expectations to play with different themes to play with different stuff so i'm really excited to get to these next uh four i think yeah, four I movies think it's four. jennifer tilly is my I girlfriend know. i'm so excited um yeah, so yeah. next week, y'all are talking about Bride of Chucky and are continuing <laughs> our Child's Play series. I'm having a great time. I'm so glad we're doing this, mostly for my own selfish... It's fun. Again, fun for you, fun for me. And it's 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 nice to watch something and just be like, oh, just, it's good to get filled in on the horror the horror uh, empty spots that you have, so... You know, and I will say, like, I, and I think... Maybe we'll approach this as we get to the to the end of this franchise. But I will say, rewatching it, I think as a whole, this is probably the most solid of the horror. I was gonna say, like again, I'll have as to... much as I am a Fred head, as much as I'm a Fred head, I think in terms of quality, that's what I've heard. Again, I have to reserve judgment until I watch. Mm-hmm. That that's the feeling. And look, there's just some of the Freddies are really the quality is not good, but they're so fun. But Ooh, Freddy goes some places. But uh, who, who are we talking to on Monday? Uncertain. <laughs> <laughs> so there's going to be an episode. Don't yeah. worry. There is an episode planned for Monday. But um, what we originally were planning for Monday might happen, might not, because we don't know yet. So um, we will be posting on, pa- on Patreon the moment that we know... We'll know probably tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, which episode is going to post on Monday? Uh, but until then, it's a little up in the air right now. So it'll be a surprise for everybody, including surprise. us. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, keep an eye on our Patreon for updates. And if you're not a patron, why not? Please and thank you. We love you. Thank you for supporting us. Um. <laughs> so. Listeners, you've heard from us. We want to hear from you. Did you watch something that we watched this week and have thoughts? Do you have suggestions for things for things for us to cover? Send us an email at scarredforlifepodcast at gmail.com or reach out to us directly on Twitter. I'm at MB McAndrews. And I'm a Gailey Dreadful. And of course, don't forget to follow the podcast on Twitter at Scarred Podcast. And please don't forget to review, rate, subscribe, and why not join us on Patreon, where we just launched uh, December's Fresh Wound episode on Soft and Quiet. Probably the most I've... Words. The most... Why do I keep wanting to say diverse? And it's not. What most... Um, divisive. That's the word. Divisive movie that I think has come out this year. And we have two hours of episodes for it. I've never... Fuck me. We have two hours of... We have two hours of content. So just fucking... Fuck. Patreon. Do it. Love you. Moi. Uh, thank you to Eric Bauer for artwork. Thank you to Sean Keller for music. Thank you everyone for listening. Please stay safe out there. But most importantly, stay creepy. And if you've seen my brain, send it my way. <laughs> Goodbye. I'm done.
As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.